You're listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast, a weekly show of our Sunday sermons that give you a way to connect with God, grow in faith, and find wholeness. Thanks for joining us. Here's the message. Thank you for joining us this morning, June 21st. I hope everyone out there is enjoying a happy Father's Day. I would like to especially thank my father today because he helped me with my sermon and gave me a great sounding board for discussing the message that I'm going to share with you this morning. So again, I hope all you fathers are having a great day and I hope you all know that whether you're a father who has had a child birthed or an adoptive father or somebody who plays a father figure role in another person's life or a mother who takes on the role of the father, however you are present in your children's life, we thank you, we thank God for you, and we hope you have a blessed day. Today I'm going to be sharing a scripture reading from Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. From there, Jesus went to the regions of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from those territories came out and shouted, Show me mercy, son of David. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. But he didn't respond to her at all. His disciples came and urged him, Send her away. She keeps shouting after us. Jesus Jesus replied, I've been sent only to the lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. He replied, it is not good to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. She said, yes, Lord, but even dogs eat the crumbs that fall off of their master's table. Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. It will be just as you wish. And right then her daughter was healed. Now, this isn't an easy scripture to read or to preach on or to think about. Hearing that Jesus looked at a woman and compared her to a dog is kind of like hearing from a commentator that Tom Hanks was caught drowning a bag of kittens. Nobody wants to hear it. It's uncomfortable. It makes us feel bad. And you may or may not want to be angry at the messenger. I'll ask this morning that you stay with me and we'll see if we can get through this text together and find the meaning that God has for us in it. When we look at the Bible, there are several different ways to read biblical text. We can read from from an historical perspective. We can read metaphorically, allegorically. We can look at it as a static text if we would like, as a text that existed in a time and place for those people. When I look at the Bible, I like to both look at the historical context and at the message behind everything that is shared in order to see what God might be trying to say to us. Historically, Jesus was a man living in Israel under Roman occupation. He was definitely a man who was living under the yoke of oppression and that his family was not wealthy and he was not a Roman. It was very important to the Romans at this time that people live up to their ideals. And the ideal Roman was a patrician man with land and wealth and power who had a family and had fathered children. Jesus was not these things. 
But in his society, in his context, he was a learned man. And there was respect and value placed upon such men. The woman that's speaking to Jesus is not just a woman, but she's a Phoenician woman, and, or a Canaanite woman. And that is important because she is listed and labeled as an outsider. She's a foreigner in the midst of Israel. So the discussion is whether or not Jesus was responding to her as a woman or as a foreign woman. And I think from this context, we can assume that Jesus was speaking to her as a foreign woman. Now let's discuss the, metaphor, the metaphorical message behind that. We all view Christ in different ways. For some people, Christ is a holy divine being, God fully incarnate walking this earth. For others, Christ is a holy human being, prophetic, a messenger from God. And then for some, like me, Christ is a mix of the two, both divine and human. Now, when I talk to you about this text, I'm going to ask you, in the metaphorical message, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you could take a moment and pause and think about who you are in this text. Try to imagine it, visualize it in your mind. Who would you be if you were in this story? How would you be? What would the scene look like? What would Jesus look like? What would the disciples look like? What does the woman look like? I'd like you to hold that in your mind as we discuss the rest of the text today. So metaphorically, because I see Jesus as both human and divine, I often wonder if there is a place to say that Jesus is God's attempt to know God's creation better. God loved us from the very beginning. Of that I have no doubt. But a creature so infinite, who has no concept in every concept of time and space, and is so far removed, I wonder about the relationship between God's people and God before God became human. I wonder if there is space in this text to imagine that maybe this was a learning moment for Jesus. He was in a place of privilege with the people who listened to him and respected him, and he was walking past a foreign woman. And this woman cries out to him for help. And when he says, no, a master does not serve the bread meant for the children to the dogs, speaking of himself as a messenger and a healer for the house of Israel. In that moment, was that a moment for Jesus as our creator on earth in human form to learn something about God's creation? Because here was a woman despised and held in little regard by the people around her. And she still cried out saying, God, Lord, Master, see me, know me, hear my pain. Was that maybe a moment for Jesus to learn that all of God's creation was crying out for God? That it wasn't just the house of Israel that needed Christ, but all of us? I think it's possible. I think it, also, it is also possible that it was a teaching moment for Jesus' disciples. Maybe Jesus wanted to show them why 
people of all walks of life and of all race and ethnicity and gender were crying out for God and for love and for and to be known. They were crying out to be known. And maybe Jesus was using this as a moment to show his disciples that the discipleship was not just for the house of Israel. I think either way you reflect upon that is a good way. I do not believe that this text is meant to show that foreign people are little more than dogs taking crumbs from the master's table. I cannot believe a God that created this universe and made us all in God's image and has loved us from the beginning. I cannot believe that that God would have so little regard for a woman in need. So then how does that relate to us today? I believe very strongly that the Bible is a living, breathing text, that we cannot just look at it in historical context, although there is value and meaning in looking at the historical context. I think we also have to see how it relates to us us today, because honestly, people, it doesn't matter how far we've come or who we think we are, there really is nothing new under the sun. Humans then and humans today suffer from the same shortcomings, feel the same things, have the same needs, even if they look a whole lot different. So how does that relate to us today? Now, I don't know if you took a chance to, took a moment to look at the Poor People's Campaign website from the information you received yesterday at our God Takes Pride in You drive through If you did, or if you have been paying attention to different voices in the national media, you might know about the Reverend Dr. William Barber. He is a man who I believe is an important voice for our day, an important prophetic voice, speaking in the wilderness, calling for God's creation to be loved and cared for. On June 12th, he shared this message through Twitter. George Floyd was one of the rejected stones. What we have in this movement, all of these people in the street are rejected stones. Regardless of who you are, anybody who has felt the weight of rejection in public policy, we are called to be a movement. Now I know that just by uttering the name George Floyd, I am creating some sort of reaction in the people who are listening today whether you empathize with the movement, whether you are frustrated with the movement, however you are feeling at this point in time, hearing George Floyd's name is definitely going to have an impact. But I think it's an important impact. I think it's important that we take the time in this moment to look at the people around us. And I'm not gonna be talking about any political party or affiliation or politician. I'm gonna be talking about the people because the people are what's important to God. The people are what's important to me, to Reverend Barber. All of us in this moment have a place and a voice and we matter. Now, who were the rejected stones that Reverend Barber was talking about? How does it relate to today? Well, I can tell you that the month of June has been a very eventful month for people living on the margins. June 12th was the anniversary of Loving Day, 
a time when the Supreme Court ruled that all of the laws in the lands against interracial marriage were unconstitutional. That happened in 1967 on June 12th. And it is named after a couple, the loving couple, who were able to be married due to that decision. The man was white, the woman was black. And it was a momentous day for people. June is also a month when we celebrate the, ho- the anniversary of Juneteenth. Now for people of color, for black people in particular, this is an important day. This is the day when the freedom of the slaves was announced in Galveston, Texas. So June 19, 1865. And it's important to note, while Juneteenth is an important holiday and a holiday that resonates with many people, it is not a holiday that fully reflects the freedom of black people. Because they have been fighting for that freedom since before that day, and it's 155 years later, and they are still fighting for that freedom. June 12th is also the anniversary of the Pulse Massacre, the Pulse Nightclub Massacre, where a man opened fire and killed 49 people at a club that was renowned for being LGBTQ+. It's also the day that our current administration, along with all of the politicians in place, announced a rollback for protections for transgender persons in the United States against sexual discrimination in hospitals and in medical settings. So this month has been quite an emotional roller coaster for the rejected stones among us. And maybe it is important, I think it's important, to take a moment and try to explain what we mean when we say rejected stones and what I mean when I say people on the margins and how it all intersects. Now in seminary, we spend a lot of time learning about intersectionality, and I can tell you that I'm still not totally sure that I understand all of its nuances. In fact, no, I don't understand all of its nuances. We'll just be honest. But let's see if I can share with you the gist of the idea. A few years ago, my son Isaac was doing a project for school. He had to debate about whether or not Lucretia Mott or Sojourner Truth was the most important and most influential woman in the suffragette movement. So he and I sat down, and I said, Isaac, the decision is yours. You can decide where you want to go with the debate. But let's talk about privilege. Let's take a moment. Both Lucretia Mott and Sojourner Truth were important women in the suffragette movement in the 1800s. Lucretia Mott was a white woman, a married woman living in England. Sojourner Truth was a black woman living in the North in the United States. She had been enslaved and was free. She was poor. And so I said, Isaac, I'd like you to imagine that we all, maybe we all start at the same place, although that's debatable. So maybe Sojourner Truth and Lucretia Mott started at the same place. But before they could get started, they were each given a load to carry. Now, because Lucretia Mott was a woman, she got one brick, one weight to carry. Because Sojourner Truth was a woman who was black, who was previously a slave, who was poor, she got a lot of extra bricks to carry. And so it doesn't mean that Lucretia Mott was not an important woman to the movement. She was. And it doesn't mean that her life did not have value because it did and still does. What it means 
is that we have to be aware of the circumstances. And it's important to look at the fact that Sojourner Truth did so much for the suffragette movement while carrying this heavy load. So I don't know if that helps you, but it has helped my son, my dad, a lot of people. It's even helped me to maybe understand intersectionality a little better. So when we talk about the rejected stones of, of society, we also have to consider the fact that different people carry different weights. And it doesn't mean that if you do not have those weights placed upon you, you have not had a life with its pain and a life of, it doesn't mean that you've had a life of privilege necessarily. It doesn't mean that if you are white and heterosexual and cisgendered that you are living a life free from pain and suffering. Nobody is trying to take away your story. What it means is that the people who are not white and heteronormative and cisgendered, cisgendered and male even, those people in society do not have the same weights and dangers placed upon them as people who do not have those privileges. It's important always to note that all of our stories matter. All of our pain is relevant. We are all precious in God's sight. But as Christians, we are called to work for, within and for and beside people on the outside, people on the margins, people who have been given extra weight to carry. That is our calling as Christians. Now, going back to the scripture, when we look at the Canaanite woman, I want to ask you to remember who you were in that story. Were you the woman? Were you a disciple? Were you Jesus? And what did that woman look like? Was she white? Was she a black mother crying because her son couldn't breathe? Was she perhaps a refugee woman who was crying because her child was taken from her? Was she LGBTQ plus crying because she lived in a nation or in a place where she did not feel safe and was not safe because of who she was? What did the woman look like to you? It matters what we see in that moment. It matters who we are and who we want to be. And it matters whether or not we think Jesus was correct in walking by her or whether we believe that God's love is for everyone and it is our job to pick up, to love, to support, to walk beside everyone. That's how I think the scripture applies to today. And I honestly don't care in this moment as your minister who you vote for, what political party you align with, if you align with any. You are people that God loves and therefore I love you too. And I am here to do work for you and to lift you up 
But in this moment, I also ask that we find a way to walk together. As disciples, if you are a disciple, which is not necessary, but if you are a disciple, one of our creeds is to understand that we are a priesthood of all believers. So everyone has responsibility to read the text, to try and understand the text, and to walk the walk. So what I'm asking you in this moment is, are you ready to walk the walk? Are you ready to look at all of the rejected stones in society and say, I don't reject you because God didn't reject you? Let's work together so society sees you the way you deserve to be seen. Last week in Atlanta, Georgia, a Wendy's burned down. This Wendy's was the site where a black man was shot in the back while running from police. Now this man was drunk and there was an altercation with the police and he ran. But he was shot in the back as he was unarmed. So last week this Wendy's burned down. And while I do not advocate destruction, looting, violence. I do understand that there is a pain that I cannot understand. There is an anger that I can't fully participate in because I am not black and I have not dealt with racism my entire life. A friend of mine, Reverend Jasper Peters, said this, this is the uprising of the unheard. Because at the end of the day, what matters to God is God's creation, God's people. And that is what should matter to each and every one of us. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or comments or you'd like to have further conversation about this or any of the issues I mentioned today, please send me an email. Shay, S-H-A-Y-E at mgthornton.org. I'm always ready to talk and ready to listen. I hope you have a blessed day and a wonderful Father's Day. Thank you for listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast. You can watch our weekly services on Facebook Live every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And to learn more about joining a group or serving with us, visit our website at mgthornton.org.